Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. So welcome to COVID Noise Filter. My name is Dr. Mark Yandere, and we are so happy to have guest co-hosting with us, Nurse Julia. Welcome to the show, Nurse Julia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be coming on board with you guys. Thank you so much. And now on to the show. COVID-19's impact on contraceptive services. Now, the pandemic has had serious implications on women's health, specifically the reproductive health and rights. The UN News reported that the United Nations Reproductive Health Agency has estimated that about 12 million women are experiencing family planning disruptions. As a result, there have been about 1.4 million unintended pregnancies. Now, these disruptions to family planning come mostly from a decrease in contraceptive use. Most governments have enforced travel restrictions and lockdowns in order to prevent the spread of the virus but it also prevented many women and couples from accessing these contraceptive resources. So there are economic and health consequences for these unplanned pregnancies. For starters, many of the families are already in low and middle income countries, and this just adds to the already economically stressful time. With regards to health, unplanned pregnancy is correlated with increased maternal morbidity, mortality, and an increase in unsafe abortions. The United Nations Population Fund was able to deliver contraceptives and reproductive health supplies to some health systems and mitigate the effects of the pandemic. They utilized a right-hailing app, which allowed women to order contraceptives online, and the driver would deliver it, similar to DoorDash and Uber Eats. They also use texting services to promote family planning, counseling, and education. So even before the pandemic, many women in low- and middle-income countries lacked accessibility to sexual and reproductive health services. The pandemic has only exacerbated this, but hopefully we can expand on the current solutions to utilize these methods post-pandemic. South African vaccine trials demonstrate importance of testing in the global south. Now, according to the New York Times, vaccine developers tend to conduct their trials in larger commercial markets where they have guaranteed resources and buyers. It's uncommon for clinical trials to occur in the global south at all. Fewer than 3% of them are even held in the continent of Africa. However, the variants in South Africa have forced the hand of many vaccine makers. While they typically wait a few years to test in poorer countries, they couldn't afford to overlook the nation. The variant in South Africa, also known as B1351, offered a chance to test the vaccines against more severe variants. And what the studies found is that while the AstraZeneca vaccine was able to keep patients exposed to the variants from getting especially sick, it didn't actually offer any personal protections. So now producers of vaccines are hurrying to test more protective boosters in the region, and testing the immunizations in South Africa has proven to be integral and hugely informed. One of the South African vaccinologists lobbied to conduct trials in the nation as early as March in order to study how the virus worked in the continent, particularly amongst people who have HIV. 
And according to the New York Times, varying health and socioeconomic conditions can affect vaccine performance. The nation's trials were faced with obstacles that larger markets couldn't face. They did struggle to find sites and resources to accommodate the trials in the face of frequent power outages. Many of the early volunteers for the trials have already been infected with COVID. In spite of these logistical issues, it did prove to be vital to test the nation and should set a precedent for future clinical trials. Blind Americans struggle to book vaccine appointments. This is yet another story. (laughs) The CDC reports 1 million people in the United States are blind, and about 12 million people above the age of 40 in the United States have vision impairment. That means millions of people that are eligible for a vaccine are having trouble accessing it simply because they're visually impaired. Now, according to NBC News, blind and visually impaired Americans are finding it difficult, if not impossible in some cases, to schedule vaccination appointments online. Even though they have software that enables them to do many things digitally, they are finding that these registration sites suffer from low contrast coloring, minimal text options, screen reader incompatibility, and supplemental electronic forms that must be filled out. Now, the problems online scheduling are so widespread that a recent survey by Web Accessibility in Mind and the Kaiser Health News found accessibility roadblocks on all but 13 of 94 state web pages that include vital information about the vaccine, lists of providers, and sign-up forms. The accessibility issues does violate the American with Disabilities Act and the Rehabilitation Act, which prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities in all state and local government programs, activities, services, and requires equal access to those benefits and services. Now, a few academic institutions are taking it upon themselves to help fix this problem. John Hopkins recently created an accessible all-text vaccine dashboard to work around barriers. The COVID-19 vaccine prioritization dashboard, which is updated every Wednesday, provides screen reader compatibility, vaccine eligibility information for all U.S. states and territories, and is accessible in multiple forms such as Excel, PDF, and CSV. Now that vaccines are becoming more and widely available, scheduling an online vaccine appointment should be easily accessible for everyone. New COVID-19 vaccine technologies. Now, one silver lining of the pandemic is that it sparked a creative fervor in new vaccine delivery technology. Could we soon have a COVID-19 without the use of a syringe? What? Let's see what this story is about. Nurse Julia? Oh, no. According to the Wall Street Journal, many companies are racing to find new alternatives to the typical shot-in-the-arm format. Some of these alternatives are a tube of sugar infused with a vaccine that is smaller than a grain of rice that is implanted under the skin. Whoa. Yeah. Dissolving implants, even freeze-dried vaccines made into lozenges that dissolve under the tongue, microneedle patches, electrical pulse systems, nasal sprays, and pills. Wow. That's pretty impressive. In fact, speaking of pills, an experimental COVID-19 pill has shown positive preliminary results. The pill significantly reduced virus in subjects in mid-stage study after five days of treatment. Further study of the experimental antiviral is underway. If it proves capable of treating people with COVID-19 who show symptoms, the drug would bolster a limited arsenal of treatments and be the first oral antiviral against the disease. 
infectious disease experts, <clears throat> uh, infectious disease experts say that the experimental drug name Molnopravir could fill a key role by helping people who are sick at home, serving the same kind of role that's performed by Tamiflu for the flu. All the new vaccine delivery alternatives are in the early to mid stages of development and clinical testing, which means it might be months or years before they are ready. However, if they are successful, these technologies could mean that booster vaccine doses might arrive in the mail one day. Vaccines can be kept on a shelf and administered even at home. Wow, that's so cool. Now, vaccines can more easily be sent to the most remote or poor communities around the world without the necessity of complicated storage and trained medical staff. So we're definitely going to continue to watch that, but that's such a neat story. So absolutely awesome. Yeah, these uh, alternatives are next level, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, they certainly are. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.